Nine Lives, the debut album from Catalyst, grips with infinite possibility and reflects the contemporary Los Angeles jazz scene. Catalyst is more than a nine-piece band. It's a collective of producers, composers, musicians, and writers who represent a who's who of the Los Angeles jazz community. You can listen to the album on all of the major music platforms or purchase a copy through bandcamp.com. Catalyst with a K, and the album is Nine Lives. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. for precision medicine to treat cancer has been clear. Understanding the molecular underpinnings of a patient's cancer can allow doctors to use targeted therapies that can best address their particular tumor type. The people behind One Health believe it should be no different for dogs. The company, which bills itself as the world's first canine cancer care organization, is seeking to bring precision cancer care to our four-legged friends. We spoke to Christina Lopez, founder and CEO of One Health, about the state of canine cancer care, the company's phytocure service, and the market for expensive, state-of-the-art medicine for dogs. Christina, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you, Daniel. It's exciting to be here to spend some time with you. We're going to talk about cancer, precision medicine, and dogs. One Health and its Phytocure offering is seeking to bring advanced cancer diagnostics and treatment to four-legged patients. Let's start with the connection between human and canine cancer. How much of an overlap is there? Um, it's actually pretty significant. So dogs and humans um, co-evolved. Let's start there. And sadly, you know, they share health and they share disease and sadly share a lot of uh, similarities in cancers. Um, there's similar histologic appearance. There's similar tumor genetics, molecular targets, there's metastases, you know, the same kind of process, um, therapeutic response, immunocompetency. And um, yeah, so the one big difference is that there were, for example, 6 million dogs diagnosed with cancer in the US last year versus about 2 million people. And the population of dogs is much smaller, is about 90 million. So you can see there that the incidence and prevalence is, is quite high. There's not only an overlap, but th there's also a significant gap in care when it comes to treating dogs with cancer. How big a gap is there between the state of cancer care for humans and, and dogs? Oh, that's a great question. So, and really part of what drives our mission every day uh, as the dog, right, is more and more our beyond even best friend, really family member. And 
many of the advancements for human oncology have actually been tested on dogs, right? Beagles. However, very little has made it back to the dog to actually help the dog as a patient, not just a subject. Um, and so the, the differences are stark. For, for example, in the world of targeted therapies, which is a class of drugs really from this century, um, that's already been around and you know for 20 years. In, in humans, um, there are about 125 of those therapies for humans FDA approved, and there's really only been one for dogs. I mean, we're changing that, but that's the kind of gap. Um, at any given day, an oncologist at a human clinic might have, I don't know, 60 tools in their hands and maximum in the veterinary world, according to our, um, you know, key opinion leaders would be may maybe 13 tools, including everything under the sun, radiation, chemo. So the gap is pretty big. You talked about some numbers relating to incidents, but what's the market opportunity? So the market opportunity, I, how I look at it, uh, we're creating it. So it's not super defined, but the market opportunity is that we have 6 million dogs, right? Uh, diagnosed already. That diagnosis is pretty, uh, there's been some investment behind that by the pet parent, by the family. Um, it's not, you know, it's not 10 bucks. It, probably, you know, all in out of pocket between $250 all the way to 2000, depending if there was a surgery. So that right there gives you one, gives you a dimension. However, um, only, you know, we think it's even less than 25% they're actually medically treated today. We think that that's because uh, the current modalities, um, frankly, are mostly from last century and are you know, even they're, they're hard, they're basically hard on a family, right, to go to a specialist clinic, maybe they don't have one nearby, um, drop off their dog in COVID, you know, it's on the sidewalk, they don't even talk to the clinician, face to face, that is, and they're, you know, for a baby, call it, will be in the clinic for a long time for an infusion, if it's chemo, so it's very onerous and, and tough. Um, we think, you know, we could do better and we can bring more tools and increase accessibility. What's the vision for One Health? What, what's it trying to do? Um, so One Health is actually a movement. It's the shared health and disease, the oneness across species. So we are looking at, you know, what has, um, in, the, in the context of oncology, we're looking at what has moved forward in the human um, world that we could lift and bring back to the dog. And on the other, you know, if you think of it on both sides of the leash, then what can we uh, learn potentially from the pet dog's cancer journey, which happens at a very accelerated speed right? Um, which, uh, you know, can basically the lifetime of the dog, right, is shorter than ours. So you can just see things. Um, and again, a similar journey, right, with metastases and whatnot. Um, what could we learn? You know, could we interrogate? Could we find where are the biomarkers similar? And then look at, for example, combinations of drugs, right? 
we understand that cancer is multifactorial and that, you know, likely the, you know, kind of where we really want to be headed, I mean, in the broader R&D community is towards combinations. And, but there's lots of questions and, and frictions to learn really at the clinic level with a, with a mammal that has a real tumor, that has a real immune system. There are lots of challenges for us to get there. And we believe the pet dog can be an incredible partner um, to advance some of these questions because we can, you know, basically um, see already what, what are combinations of drugs, which one first, um, how far apart, we can work out certain side effects. So there's lots of possibilities, again, back to this concept of both sides of the leash, you know, what can we learn and bring back to the dog? And then what could we learn from the canine journey that is relevant for the human journey of cancer? What's PhytoCure and, and, and how does it work? So PhytoCure is our first um, product to the marketplace. It's um, for dogs. Um, we don't have cats yet. And partially is because dogs are that much more similar to humans metabolically, like so many aspects. Um, but so, so starting with the dog, we are the first to really bring this comprehensive uh, personalized medicine or precision medicine. We first, uh, we sequence the tumor DNA. We don't need a rebiopsy for that. We can use what was already taken to determine what type of cancer, if there was cancer and what type. And we do that, um, you know, we have built in lots of great workflows so that we can do this in the quickest time frame and with ease for the clinic. We then share our, and this we do at a clear certified lab, uh, the highest uh, levels, just like one would for humans. Uh, but of course, everything adapted, right, for the uh, canine. And we share those results. We're looking for what are actionable mutations. So while we're interested in the whole genomic profile of the tumor, what we're really interested in is, you know, how can this help? How can this valuable information help with the intervention, right? Help with care uh, for the patient. So we report back to the clinician uh, our findings, our analysis. And, um, you know, hopefully we, you know, and, and gladly the dog is uh, much higher actionability than humans, um, partially because they're so genomically clustered, right? Think of the breeds. So that gives us lots of opportunity. And, um, and then we, with a uh, partner pharmacy, help enable the drugs, the targeted therapies, that class of therapies, uh, help enable that um, those interventions to actually get to the clinic, to the patient. So that's kind of the arc. On the back of all that, right, between the sophisticated diagnostic, the information to guide treatment, and then access to the treatment, we also are capturing um, all this data for these, you know, cancer journeys. And we're trying to correlate and figure out, you know, what, 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 what's interesting here? You know, what are we seeing more genomically? What are side effects? What's working? What's not? And so think of PhytoCure as this platform, right? That is continuously learning and evolving. How have veterinarians traditionally approached cancer in dogs? 
So it's a relatively new uh, field, the, the oncologist. So not some distinguishing right from the general practitioner to the um, uh, specialization. And we, I believe it was just, you know, so it's pretty new. Our chief medical officer is, I believe, one of the first folks who actually became a specialist. And uh, so that gives you, <laughs> that gives you an idea. Um, that this has not been formalized as a profession until pretty recently in the last few decades, um, last 30 years, maybe a little more. So that's one. Um, and as it became more of a profession, they, you know, write better protocols, um, often, you know, with just better training, but very geared towards uh, chemo radiation and, um, you know, that that dimension of cancer care, not so much training, even today, um, from the molecular angles, immuno-oncology. So we're trying to close this gap. Um, I think it, you know, cancer, I'm not even sure how well characterized, meaning even at the diagnosis level, diagnostic level, um, you know, I think it's that, that even that is pretty recent, meaning in the last few decades, um, so I think this matches also the evolution, right, of the, the pet dog being living longer also, um, right? Cancer is a disease of aging. They're better cared for. So lo lots of shifts culturally that I think also are impacting some of these dynamics of the dog being, you know, in the home and all of that. And, and how does PhytoCure have the potential to change the way dogs are treated? Well, we're learning from some of, um, you know, the, some disease states that were perceived as death sentences that there have been a turnarounds, even in pediatric oncology, um, certain tumor types, I think, you know, back in the eighties were considered uh, death sentence or, or maybe even before that were considered death sentences for, for kids, like maybe 15% survival rate, something very low. And by every child enrolling in uh, a, a trial, like innovation, getting access to innovation, they actually have turned around those, those rates um, so that there's, I believe, 85% survival. I mean, imagine that, that big of a shift. And it's really about the innovation, getting the data, being able to um, you know, understand the disease and so that's a story, and, and some cancers are actually quite similar between children and dogs, um, uh, bone cancer, osteosarcoma, most notably. So we are in conversation with pediatric oncologists and, and learning there. So that's one paradigm we lean on. And then the other, um, in some ways, is you know, some inspiration from HIV AIDS, actually, from the combination of drugs, right? One drug said that sentence, two drugs, that sentence goes on until they hit okay, you know, with this combination of therapies, we actually are transformative. Uh, it's it's radically transformative. We think for the pet dog, because the dog is clustered more genomically, as I was mentioning before, right? Um, there are breeds which have bred certain traits we love, even personalities, et cetera. Um, they sadly also bred certain proclivities for cancer. So um, 
essentially, on the other hand, though, that gives us an opportunity because the um, from the genomic world where we're working, you know, we're, we're utilizing those tools of precision medicine, we can, things cluster, right? It, the dog is 10,000 times more homogeneous uh, compared to human genomically. So we can just hone in and learn and, and target. Once we figure some things out, we can bring these tools and actually our hypotheses will have a bigger impact in turning around canine cancer or certain tumor types for dogs with precision medicine tools, perhaps more than actually the impact for humans has been. It's still early days for you, but is there data yet to make a case for better outcomes with the PhytoCure service? Um, definitely early days. Um, I, what I can say is we had a poster at AACR when the triple meeting um, this year. It's one of the most prestigious human cancer conferences. And essentially we um, you know, sequenced 822 canine tumors. And you know, one of the conclusions is that we found um, high similarities between canine and human cancers and actually that um, they share 64, maybe more targetable mutations. That means we can intervene, right, with targeted therapies. And we are doing that, but this just kind of gives you, um, you know, kind of confidence with scientific confidence with the rationale. And then in terms of a, the clinical side, and what are we observing? What are the what are the outcomes thus far? We had a poster for from a toxicity side effect angle at the Veterinary Cancer Society in October, and we examined um, targeted therapy toxicity in 455 canine cancer patients. And overall, the 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 kind of key conclusions from a, an outcomes a, a safety outcomes call it is um, the those targeted therapies are are manageable and tolerated. So um, of course these are cancer therapies, but overall, um, you know nothing too much too bad. It was mostly around GI and essentially um, side effects that you know can be managed. So that was a very important, um, you know, kind of um, poster we, we, we presented. And lastly, but not least, for sure, in one of the tumor types, which is uh, perhaps the largest unmet need, it's called um, hemangiosarcoma. The analog in humans is angiosarcoma. It's very prolific in dogs. Uh, some call it cancer of the spleen or splenic cancer. We, in that tumor type are seeing some really promising um, early, early data where, you know, when um, phytocure is added on um, to, you know, usually there's a surgery to remove the spleen and chemo. When we also interrogate genomically and add targeted therapies, we're increasing life uh, really significantly. So more, more to come there. We're currently publishing a paper or getting getting the data out there. There are many targeted therapies approved for human use. Are vets free to prescribe these for dogs? Are there any regulatory obstacles? So the regulatory framework is one, uh, we need the therapy to be FDA approved for humans. And if a therapy is FDA approved for humans, 
there is a legal framework called MDUCA that allows veterinarians to prescribe if the patient's um, life is at danger, which in cancer definitely is. Um, and just in general, when you think about it, you know, the whole FDA approval, and when you think about even say a tiger in a zoo or any species when you get away from humans, they're really all human um, you know, treatments. So the whole world of chemo for canine patients are all human chemo drugs and radiation also that have been um, translated to the dog or are being used, you know, sometimes dose, dosage changes, et cetera, but they've not been uh, approved by the FDA for dogs. So the, the entire world, there's, there's one targeted therapy, Palladia, that's been approved for dogs. Um, and I believe uh, there's maybe one other that's in the process of approval, but Overall, uh, the space really leverages um, what's been done and kind of shown as proven for humans. Is dosing an issue? And, and are there formulations for different dosages for dogs? Absolutely. For To start, um, some of the, um, you know, something says in a tablet for humans, um, some some of the, um, the you know, kind of... Um, agents that they have to mix in our dogs are cannot tolerate. So we do need in certain situations to formulate for the dog specifically, and sometimes for that specific patient, because we also have a huge range of uh, size and weight, right? If you think of a Chihuahua all the way to a Great Dane, um, and some of these therapies, you can't simply just chop it up. It doesn't work that way. So absolutely, and actually we work really hard um, to figure that out. And that's probably where a lot of our, our energies and efforts are at. Obviously safety first and you know, that's do no harm is the oath we also abide by um, from our ethics and morals. So we start with, um, you know, from a safety angle and evolving towards uh, efficacy. I know we've seen the advent of pet insurance, but Veterinary care can be expensive, particularly when it comes to cancer. And for many people, this represents out-of-pocket spending. Well, I know many people who have gone through extraordinary lengths to extend the lives of their pets. There's a financial reality here. How does that shape the market opportunity for you? Um, well, in two ways. So I'll, I'll address insurance first. So we're huge advocates of insurance you know, for our own pets, too. Um, and we, and there is an uptick we're observing in insurance adoption in the U.S. However, it's still pretty low, still about 2%, where places like England uh, has pretty high penetration. It's about, I think, 40 to 50% insurance penetration. So that's really interesting. Um, so that world, that space is getting developed and, um, you know, gladly most insurance companies have covered us. Pet Plan, True Panion, uh, they've been really collaborative. I think they, you know, kind of, uh, we, we, we align in the values and the approach to care. So that's been exciting for us and we're excited to see the space grow. Um, 
from the out-of-pocket angle, yeah, it's uh, traditionally, it's very expensive cancer care. And um, we, you know, and, and it is out-of-pocket uh, in, in the majority of cases. I believe uh, care credit, and there might be others that help finance. Um, and I'm often really impressed at to what extent folks will go doing uh, WeFund campaigns and they really um, do a lot to try to get the best possible care for, for their four-legged, um, you know, family member. And there are some, we are observing an increase in nonprofits also um, that are helping to um, at least support the payment. Um, so it, it's, quite, it's quite interesting from a business point of view, uh, when we talk to our human counterparts, you know, they actually love like that we're not reimbursed because reimbursement is a really tough world in the human space. Um, it's great on one hand, right? Because it's, if you can get reimbursement, it's huge, but even the process of getting it and the kind of staffing you need to follow up with that um, is really, is, is just another game. And then the time lags so that, um, you know, there are, there are advantages actually that we don't have that. Um, and, you know, what it also translates to is the pet parent is, is really the advocate, right? They're the payer and they're the advocate. They're, that's their, right, their baby. And again, this motivation to go above and beyond is, is really interesting. And it's not just from the financial, right? The effort and the, the investment, like from, you know, time is, is incredible. We're observing um, and we feel a lot of what drives it is a sense of guardianship, you know, this human animal bond, which is only increasing. And during COVID, I think it's gone even more, uh, right? Like dogs are, you know, really seen very favorably from a mental health, physical health point of view. So equally, the families are recognizing that and, and very much attending with all their resources is our experience. And what does it cost to do tumor profiling of a dog? So our aim is to keep things accessible. Uh, we, we don't actually charge the, the, the pet parent, the clinic does. So I can't give you a number because right, it's all different in the United States, but what we do aim is to be below the national average of chemo for the whole platform, PhytoCure platform, meaning from the sequencing all the way to targeted therapies. And the national average, according, if you go look at care credit, for example, um, the cost of chemo is between six and ten thousand um, dollars. You know, nationally, here in the Bay Area, we observe uh, for you know certain tumor types like lymphoma, it can be even twelve thousand. So it's 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 pretty high. And we aim to be lower, right? Much lower. And how broadly is the service available today? And and how can someone find a vet who makes use of it? Oh, great question. So. One, we've worked already with over 200 of the best veterinary hospitals in the United States. We're very proud of that. Um, and on our website, phytocure.com, there's actually a map that shows who is in our network. And, you know, and we also have a live chat. So you can just go in, ask your question, we'll attend to you. Um, we're very uh, engaged. 
Um, so, you know, you can even set up a time and, and talk to one of our experts. And folks do that all the time. We've actually had over 8,500 folks call us this year just to learn more, um, find out if they're vet, you know, uh, how, how, can they, how can they work with someone that, you know, is an oncologist we work with or already maybe they're working. And we've seen a really nice trend where some oncologists are actually um, even, you know, uh, just really advocating for us and even having folks call us to learn more, right, if they have even more questions. So it's been really a really nice moment to di very directly learn about the journey from the pet parent angle and, and build you know, right and build better products from there. Similarly, from the oncologist, there are key partners and the really critical folks um, in the community. In October, One Health secured 10 million in financing. How's that funding being used? Um, number one for the science. So as we're gathering, right, these uh, cancer journeys of um, now we're close to 1,200 patients. Um, this is since launch in uh, 2019. So we're very proud of that number for our space. Um, there's really, um, there's a knowledge gap. So we're, we're the ones really closing that at the you know, can, at scale with lots of numbers, lots of data points. So at this point, you know, we're correlating dog, tumor type, um, genomic findings, treatment and outcomes. So between that, we have to build lots of technology, data science, um, start getting, you know, correlations so meaning algorithms and whatnot, like really built up. Um, so it's very exciting. And we're basically, you know, with millions of data points and we're, we're the ones really mapping all of this. Um, we're really inspired by a company called Flatiron Health. They were bought by Roche and what they did with what's called real world evidence. Um, and we're very modeled around uh, Flatiron. Um, we were very guided and mentored me personally by Amy, Dr. Amy Abernathy who is the thought leader in real world evidence and, um, you know, kind of globally. And she's now the deputy commissioner of the FDA. So um, she, you know, it's been really inspirational. So be behind all that, we are, you know, using lots of the, the use of funds is very much to build, uh, build this out. One, um, raise awareness. It's still, despite a pretty big boom in pet, call it ownership, um, adoption in the US and actually globally in 2020, the awareness that dogs get cancer, the awareness of what to do, um, still pretty low. So we want to really help get the word out. Um, so I relish opportunities like this, right? Where we can really share what we're doing in case it's right, we wanna do, make an impact. Um, and lastly, relatedly, we, we need to help educate uh, the clinicians who are the frontline workers who, you know, despite COVID are going into the clinic, who have more stress now because there's less um, resources at the clinic, sometimes less people, right? Protocols have changed. They don't have the same communication they did with the pet parents. Cancer is a very vulnerable time for a family, um, you know, like, like it would be with a human, right? And then the dog doesn't speak. So that sense of 
guardianship and, and just not knowing what to do goes up. So more stress on the clinician who's really the, you know, part of the care team. So we're really there to support them, to help, um, you know, educate if we can, uh, thought leadership, make our um, platform as easy as possible for them, share the data with them. So all of that. So the use of funds is very much right from a clinic engagement also angle. Christina Lopez, founder and CEO of One Health. Christina, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you, Daniel. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.